Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of L2M Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to the latest episode of Marketing Thought Leadership. We're here today with Eric Pelton, the founder of Eric Pelton & Associates, a boutique trademark law firm in Falls Church, Virginia. Prior to starting his firm, Eric worked for two years as an examiner in the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. In more than 10 years of private practice, he's registered more than 1,500 U.S. trademarks for clients, so he's been very busy, represented dozens of parties in trademark trial and appeal board disputes, and he also practiced before the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit. Eric is the creator of the app Attorney iPhone application for intellectual property attorneys, and he also edits ABA's annual review of intellectual property law developments. Welcome, Eric. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Linda. It's a pleasure. Great. So, Eric, one of the things I talk a lot about is the importance of having a strong brand and how much your brand helps to position you and sell you and just make it easier for you to, to build your business, whether you're a consultant or you're a a small business person or a large company or whatever. So tell us from a legal perspective, because I always think from a marketing perspective, but what's the difference legally between having a strong brand name and a weak one? Yeah, great question. And obviously we're working with businesses that are creating and protecting their brands, and we're working from both sides of the angle, both from a marketing and business perspective and, of course, focusing on the legal perspective. And from a legal perspective, a – strong brand is one that is more unique and more creative. And so when you look at some of the most successful companies uh, today, particularly in the tech world, and you see names like eBay and Google and Amazon, they really have very little meaning applied to their products or services. Of course, Amazon has a meaning, Google has a mathematical meaning, but in the context of internet searches or internet shopping, they don't really have a direct connection to the user what that meaning is. And so legally, that's a much stronger brand name than something like, for example, search.com or online bookstore. Um, Those names, because those terms are very descriptive of the service provided or the products provided and are used by many people in the industry, those names are much weaker legally. Because, And that's sort of counterintuitive a little bit because you think, well, I want to describe what I do. But what I think I'm hearing you say is the broader you can be and the more creative and original it is, then the, the easier it is to position something legally. And you don't have a lot of people saying, hey, I do search just like you do. Exactly. It is a little bit counterintuitive, and especially in this today's world of domain names and, and Internet searching, people often leap to be descriptive at first thought. Um, but what happens when they select a name that is very descriptive is they're just one of many. And sure, if your name is online bookstore, there's a chance when somebody types in online books or online bookstore that they might find you. But it's also very likely that they're going to find dozens of others that have used that as keywords or phrases. And even if 
the owner of this online bookstore hypothetical brand were somehow able to register it, it would be very difficult for them to enforce it against anybody. And so even if they were the first one to come up with the idea of using online bookstore and initially came up first in search engines, because they wouldn't would have such a difficult time stopping anybody else from using that phrase in any manner, whether it's saying I'm New York online bookstore or whether Amazon just had a tagline that said, you know, your online bookstore. Um, because they wouldn't be able to enforce it, they're not going to stay unique for very long and they're not going to be function well in search engines. And really, from a marketing perspective, people aren't going to be able to remember who the brand is and how to find them. That's what I always tell, try to explain to my clients. You want to name that if somebody loves your product or your service and they're telling their, their friend over dinner what it is, that it's got such a distinctive name that once the friend hears it, they go home and they want to read more about it later. There's no way they can forget that, you know, was it online bookstore or online books or online bookstore.net? I can't remember, you know, Amazon. Amazon. You're not going to forget Twitter. Amazon. You type Amazon into a search engine, only one website is going to come up. <laughs> Absolutely, or Twitter, or YouTube, or you know any of those. Absolutely, and, and I and I say that too from a marketing perspective because it's it's just you're not unique if you are organic natural foods, right? Or you're you know or or you're green this or green that. You really need to come up with something that's you know that's Tesla. People remember Tesla, right, as, as being a green it, car. So. It, Exactly. And so on a spectrum legally, you have the very descriptive or generic terms on the one end, and then you have made up terms or completely arbitrary terms on the good end, the strong end, like we've been discussing. In the middle, what you have is terms that are suggestive. And so that means that there's some inkling of what it is or what its purpose is, but it's not immediate. It's not overly descriptive. So a great uh, example of this is one of those new electronic or hybrid cars called the Nissan Leaf. Okay, when you he when you hear the name Leaf, uh, you know as a consumer as a marketer, you know, okay, this is something green. It's something environmental. There must be something about this car that gets more miles or is electric, and so it resonates what the brand is communicating, but it's not in an overly descriptive way. And it's not green car or environmentally friendly car or something. That's exactly, very, because very, then it would be yep. too descriptive and it would be impossible to protect. Exactly. Great. So one of the things that I wind up very often with clients is helping them to come up with either names for their brands or their products or their company. And we get through this, well, I want to be descriptive or I want to come up with something that's going to be the next Twitter or the next you know, Google or whatever. Um, and sometimes it's hard to understand how to balance all that. So what kind of tips do you have for businesses that are trying to generate names for either brands or products or maybe even for the company themselves? Yeah, there's a couple of tips that I send people home with a lot. And I say, you know, first is, you know, take a few days. Come up with a long list. Don't, don't, don't be sitting there thinking, okay, I have to come up with the one perfect name. Instead, what you want to do is say, I'm going to come up with 100 names. You know, and then after I come up with 100 names, I can re-examine it and narrow it down to 20. And then I can narrow it down to five. And then I can talk to my lawyer and, and, you know, and, and figure out which is best and which is available and protectable. So first, it's cast a very wide net. And then in addition to, to just being creative in general, thinking about creative spellings, creative combinations of words, it's to really brainstorm um, 
work with somebody in marketing to say, you know, to figure out what are we trying to communicate about a brand. And for example, you know, different words or syllables could communicate that a brand is new or is old or is high tech or is cheap or is luxury or, you know, is, uh, says something about, about the home and, and the house. Um, or say something about the outside and the environment. So there's a lot of words associated with each of those tags. So by figuring out what message you're trying to communicate and then coming up with a variety of words that play off of those messages and then seeing how they combine or interrelate, um, you know, people hopefully can come up with a list of a couple dozen to think about and sleep on and then narrow it down to you know a day or two later okay now what sounds really good or what do we like what really communicates that message we're going for that sounds good and and i think it's important i like the way you said you should work with a marketing person because sometimes you need just a little bit of of distance and not the kind of ownership that that the principals in a firm have about this is my brand this is my baby sometimes you need someone to look at it with just a little bit of um of kind of a, a outsider's eye and, and a little bit of uh, distance from what you're doing. So I think that's mm-hmm. important, too. Okay, so you've got, let's say you've gone through this naming exercise, you've got a brand name. What are the elements that, that you think make up a successful brand from a legal perspective as well as obviously from a marketing perspective? From a legal perspective, it's clearing the name, having a professional search done to make sure the name is available. Then it's filing to register the name. It's never too early to file it, basically. You can file it before you're making sales. You can file it and have up to three or four years to actually show evidence of use. So um, it's never too early once you have a name that you love and you think you're going to use to go ahead and file it and make sure that nobody comes along in the interim and sort of pulls it out from under you um, before you're actually doing anything with the name. And then it's important there. I just want to stop a second because I, I think a lot of folks think that I've got to use this in interstate commerce before I can do any kind of filing. But you're saying if I've actually, say, I've gone and reserved a domain name or I've taken a name and, and done something with I can actually file it before I start using it? You can actually file it. It used to be that you had to be using an interstate commerce to file it. About 15 years ago, we changed our system in the U.S. to where you can file based on use or based on a bona fide intent to use it in commerce. So basically, if you have a business plan and you have you know, some workings towards using that name, you can file just based on that intent. Now, in order to complete the registration process, you will have to show the use in commerce. But again, you can have two, three, four years sometimes to, to show that. That's important to know. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and, and then once it's registered, or even before it's registered, the other important thing legally is to use it properly. And that means, you know, um, not using it as a generic term to describe the whole product category. And Starbucks is excellent at this. Um, you'll notice they always say on their menus and on their brochures, a Frappuccino blended beverage. So they don't want everybody referring to all iced coffee drinks as Frappuccinos. You know, Frappuccino is only the Starbucks brand of that. Um, And they do the same thing with their Via Instant Coffee or whatever they call it. So the the trademark is really an adjective describing a noun. It's an adjective, exactly. And then in addition... In addition to making sure you're not describing the whole category, you want to make the the trademark itself, 
you know, bold or stand out or italics, even if it's if it's just in plain text. You want to use the proper symbols, R with a circle if it's registered, TM or SM if you're still in the registration process to show other people that this is our brand and we are seeking legal protection and, and it's strong and has value to us. So I, I know that in addition to actually the words itself, you can also uh, trademark and protect a, a, a graphic image like a logo. Is that correct? Is that yeah. separate from the words itself? It, it, generally, for ideal protection, you want it to be separate from the words itself so that when you use the words alone, they're protected. When you use the logo design alone, they're protected. When you use all different combinations, they're protected. And in addition to brand names and logos, um, other parts of a brand can be trademarked too, like a slogan or if a website has a separate name or a blog has a, a name apart from the overall brand name or a newsletter or, or a mobile phone app. you know, All of these are kind of different spokes in the brand wheel today. Um, that may be separate trademarks that may be worth protecting. Now, can I take? Suppose I've got I've got newsletters and I've got blogs. Can I put a little TM and say, you know, that's my that's Linda's Linda's uh, logo or something or Linda's newsletter without actually filing? Does it give me any kind of protection whatsoever? Yeah, it gives you a drop of protection, and it's better than none. And you don't have to file to use the TM or the SM on the upper right hand shoulder, and so it is a good idea. And it helps ward off some potential copiers. It helps people who are reading it appreciate, you know, the value of it. And I think that that adds both a financial value and a um, gravitas to it, that this is something that you've isolated and designated as intellectual property with a brand, and, and that makes it more important. Absolutely. That's great to know. So besides not using it generically, not using it as a um, as a noun or a verb, I guess, like we say FedEx, I'm going to FedEx something, I'm going to go to UPS and FedEx something. That's definitely <laughs> a bad thing to say. Or I'm going to Xerox something on the Canon copier. So besides that, not, what, what other tips do you have to make sure that we're using trademarks properly? Um, th those are the core ones legally. From a practical perspective, it's really just use it, you know, in as many places as you can, especially as you're launching it, to really let it soak in and, and get as much legal protection as you can. So, for example, I actually just launched a slogan recently for our firm uh, that is, experience is our trademark, trademark is our experience. So I had it put on our letterhead when I ordered new letterhead. I had it put on the top banner of our website when anybody visits it. I have it when I record videos to post on YouTube or online. I have a banner, um, you know, hanging behind, and it has the slogan on it. So there's a lot of places that are, you know, may not be intuitive to people, but if you just make a little bit of effort, there's a million places that you um, use your brand and can use your brand all the time. And by using your trademarks there and by using proper trademark notice there, you're, you're really adding value and legal protection to them. Great. That's good to know. So how important is it really to legally protect a brand? Uh, is that something that, that, you know, that, that absolutely has to happen? And I know you're a, a trademark attorney, so you're going to tell me it's very important. But you know, with all the things that we have going on in our businesses, is this something that, that everybody should stop what they're doing today and make sure your brand is trademarked? Is it something you should do you know, on a regular basis, review your trademarks? How, how important is that? Reviewing it on a regular basis is a great idea. And um, 
I'm not going to say that it's a requirement because it's not a requirement, but it's really sort of a cost-benefit analysis. The cost is, you know, about $1,500 if you use an attorney to register a trademark. Um, the cost of dealing with a trademark dispute, if somebody copies your name or if you launch a new brand name, God forbid, you know, and somebody tells you that you've infringed their trademark and you've just spent tens of thousands of dollars to create a website, print packaging, print letterhead, business cards, all these things, and somebody tells you you have to stop, and then you're between a rock and a hard place and either spending the money to change it over plus risk alienating and losing customers with this confusing message or spending money on lawyers that are at that time going to cost a lot more money. Um, you know, it's basically protecting your trademark is like in, an insurance policy on your brand. And so it is an expense up front, but it's not a unreasonable expense. And it can save many times over um, in terms of protecting you from situations. And in addition, it actually, even if there never is a situation, it actually creates a asset for your business. It's, it's literally a tangible asset, your trademark registration certificate and number that you could license to somebody that if somebody invests in your company or buys your company, it's listed in the list of assets and it could have a value. And so it, it really has, uh, you know, of course, as we've talked about today, a value to your brand, but it really has a, a sort of a bottom line value as well. That's important, and, and one of the things I look at from a brand perspective is, is there actually companies who out there measure the value of a brand? I mean, you look at a brand like Apple or Google or Coca-Cola, and you're getting into billions of dollars in terms of what that brand itself is worth to that organization um, versus selling, you know, Starbucks, versus selling coffee or MP3 players or, you know, or, or, or you know, caffeinated soda. So it's, it's a huge difference. And it's a huge thing to have. Absolutely. Those brands you reeled off are obviously all extremely successful and valuable. Uh, one uh, interesting note is that the Coke is believed to be like one of the most well-known words in the world because it's in all languages, basically. Right. And the shape of the Coke bottle is, is, yeah. is thought to be yeah, pretty much the most successful trademark um, or the most well-recognized trademark, again, throughout the world because it goes into every culture and every language. And there's a consistency, too. So I could show you the red Coke logo in Sanskrit, and you would, even though you probably don't speak a word of Sanskrit, you would immediately say that's a Coke. And so yeah. it's just recognizable no matter what language you speak and where you come from, which is, is incredibly powerful. Great. Well, thank you, Eric. I appreciate your taking the time out to talk to us about this. It's always fascinating. I love to talk brands in all shapes and forms. If you're interested in more information, Eric has a website, www.ericpelton.com, and that's spelled E-R-I-K-P-E-L-T-O-N.com. And uh, I'm sure you can find lots of information and resources about things you need to do to protect your brands and trademarks in general. So thank you, Eric. Uh, anytime. Thank you. Okay. This is Linda Popke for Marketing Thought Leadership, and we'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by L2M Associates. If you'd like to find out how you can improve the return on your investment in marketing programs, processes, or people, contact us at 
www.l2massociates.com.